Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. I pray that tonight we will be receptive to what you are saying, Lord, that we will put our ears to listen to your word, Lord, and that we would allow it to change our life, Lord. I pray that you use this message to transform us into being what you want us to be, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so I don't know if you guys have ever had a time in your life where you had a reality check moment, a moment where you realize that the things that you wanted are not there, are, are you, or the things that you wanted, you're never going to be able to obtain them. Or that the time that you thought that you were good at something, and then you realize that you're not good at all. Times where you're, it's like you have clarity and vision on what you want in life, and you not understand why things are happening and why things had happened, right? I remember when I was 15 years old, like every single Dominican, I wanted to be the next MLB player. I wanted to be the next big poppy. And I remember that I grew, as I was growing up, I would try my best, I would practice, I would practice over and over to make sure that I was the best baseball player that I could be so that one day I could make the big bucks and I'd be a baseball player. But when I was 15 years old, I remember going to a tryout. In the DR, in my country, you have to, by the time you're 16, you typically will get signed to be a baseball player to the major leagues. In fact, one of my classmates got signed to play for the Indians, hashtag, or whatever their name is anyways. And so I remember seeing that. I remember seeing my friend, and I remember seeing this tryout, all these different people that were practicing. And I remember looking at myself, and boom, I had a reality check. I will never be the next big poppy. I mean, I will be big and I will be a poppy, but I will not be the big poppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a broke version of big poppy. Anyways, so I recognize that I had a reality check, right? And so I wonder if you guys have had a reality check of your own, where you had dreams, where you had expectations, what you wanted to accomplish this in your life, and then boom, you have this reality check where now you understand, where now you can see clearly. Another time... It was when I was about 18, 19 years old. I was a Christian. I had believed in the gospel. I knew that Jesus had died on the cross for me. And I believed that the sacrifice of the cross and what he did on the, two, on, the, on the grave three days later was truth. And that he did that for me, for my mistake. So I believed this message. And I was aware of this. Yet my Christian life was struggling. I had become complacent. I have gotten used to Christianity. I was just doing the same things over and over. It became more like a routine, more instead of a relationship. And I remember that during this time in my life, I would go out and I would go out with my friends and we would go partying and celebrating, which, you know, you guys are cool for being here on St. Patrick's Day. You know, congrats, you made it. Uh, I wasn't that smart. I was going out and I was doing stuff. And I remember that this particular evening, I went out and I went against the instructions of my parents. And back then, in my culture, you have to, you don't move out of your family till you're like married and stuff. So you have 30-year-old men living with their parents and it's considered good. You know, but anyways, back then, I was living with my parents and I went out and I celebrated and I was partying and stuff. And then I come home and to my surprise, my mom was waiting for me to show up. She was like a typical Hispanic mom, just 
looking what's happening, you know, and she was waiting for me. And I walk into the house, and boom, there she was, waiting with me with a chancleta. You guys know what chancleta is? Okay, yeah, you don't want to know. Anyways, just get it. She, she didn't have one. But anyways, she was waiting for me. And she could tell that I had been going out, partying, and celebrating, doing whatever stuff, right? And so she looked at me. She was, in my, you know, in, in, my, in my culture, it does, it's dishonoring to do. It brings dishonor to your family when you do something that they tell you not to do. And she felt dishonored. She felt offended by the way I acted. And her only response to my actions was this. Slap in the face. I was 18, 19 years old, and I got slapped in my face. Have you, any of you guys been slapped before? Really? Hey, you guys know that. It's not a good feeling, right? So I remember that vividly like today. I'm sitting in the living room. It's about 3 a.m., and I have, you know, I can still feel the burn, the burn in my cheek of how hard she hit me. And while I was standing there, I realized something. I had a reality check. I realized that I have become complacent in my relationship with God. I realized that my relationship with God had been on the back burn, that I wasn't paying attention to it, that it had become a routinary behavior. And so in that moment, I had to make some serious decision to reconsider my path. And so the reason why I share this stuff is because in Romans 12, where we're going to be tonight, you're going to see how Paul is going to be addressing the believers in Rome. And in a sense, he's going to slap them in the face by, making them rem by reminding them, by challenging them to realize or to have a moment of their own where they're going to have a reality check. Where they're going to look at themselves and see clearly what are the actions that they need to take and to be able to see themselves clearly and be able to do what is expected of them. Them. In chapter 11, I'm not going to read it, but in chapter 11, Paul goes on this lengthy explanation or reminder to the believers in Rome of what God had done to them. Or how God has shown compassion towards the Israelites, towards the Jewish. And Paul is reminding them of this stuff. And then it all is going to lead to here, chapter 12, verse 1. He says here, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So the very first thing he's saying to them, he said, hey, you guys need to understand, again, chapter 11, you need to understand how much God has shown compassion to you guys. How much mercy, grace he has shown to you guys. For that reason, it is time for you to have a reality check. It is for you to recognize your, or to see and to put into perspective your commitment to God. How is your commitment to God looking like? And so he said here, and I'll read it again, I appeal to you. I'm begging you guys. I urge you guys, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Don't miss the imaginary Imagery, yeah, imagery that he's using here. You know, if you don't have to be an expert in theology or know much about history to know that sacrifices typically are dead, right? They'll bring a live animal, they'll bring it to the altar, and they'll kill them on the spot. Because if you have a live animal on an altar, once the fire is going, guess what the animal is going to do? It's going to crawl away from the altar. Yet, Paul is telling the Romans here, 
because of what God has, because of the way that God has shown grace to you, because of the way that he has shown compassion towards you, your response to that should be to become a living sacrifice. To be a sacrifice, an individual to willingly put themselves in the altar. That willingly put themselves at the mercy of God. And a great example of this is Jesus. Jesus didn't have to die for us on the cross. He didn't have to do any of that for us. And yet he willingly became a living sacrifice. The thing is that you and I have the tendency to become so complacent that we like the thought of being living, but we don't like the thought of being a sacrifice. We like the fact of leaving. We like, we like what, how it feels to be alive. We like, we like how it is to enjoy the blessings of the church, enjoy the blessings of God. And we like those things. But when it comes for you and I to become a sacrifice, to submit ourselves to the will of God, at that moment, we are not, we're not about it. At that very moment, we are more like the typical animal that if it was alive, the moment the fire will go on, we will walk away. And you see here, Paul says to them, not only he's showing them to become a living sacrifice, he said, holy, in other words, set apart, acceptable to God, which is pleasing to God. Do it in a way that is honoring, that, bled, that, is, that brings honor to God. And then he says, which is your spiritual worship. Other translation says, this is your reasonable way of worship. This is, this is what is reasonable, what is expected of you. In other words, he's saying, you need to have a reality check on your commitment to God. You need to see if your commitment to God, it is such that you're willing to put yourself in a place as a, as a living sacrifice because you know that you have been set apart, because you know that this is what pleases God, and because you know that this is a reasonable thing for you to do. But that the reality is that if we're honest, we don't behave like a living sacrifice. If we're honest, we don't like the thought of being sacrificed. So when you look at this idea of giftedness, when you look at the, at, the, at the series of giftedness and why you see that people in the church are more consumers than they are givers, you see it's because at the root of it, they're not wanting to be a living sacrifice. They like to enjoy the blessings of being alive, but that when the time comes to walk to the altar and to just submit themselves to the will of God, will struggle. So that's the first thing we see here. Look at verse 2. He says, not only submit yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Then he says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not let this world mold you, he's saying. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He's saying to them, you need to have a reality check in your life. You need to see what is the force that is influencing your life. You need to see that is, is the world around you, is the culture around you, is those around you, are they the ones that are, gonna, that are molding you? Or is it? The word of God that is renewing your mind, that is showing you, that is making you become more like Christ. What is the force that is influencing you? We need a reality check. We get complacent. If you think of your relationship with God, look at it, put it on display right now and let's look and look at it. Examine it. 
And you'll see how there has been season, and maybe you're in that season right now, where your, your relationship with God or your life in general has been, is being mauled by the culture. And instead of allowing the word of God to renew it, unless of allowing the word of God to transform your mind, you're allowing this world to do that. And why is that? I kind of have like a, you know, I don't want to say a silly illustration, but, you know, I'm a dad now, so I got to play with Play-Doh. You know, if I can get it out. There you go. Yeah, all right. So here's why, here's the reality. No, but here's the reality. The world sees you like this, right? You're, you're a mess. You are a complete mess. Whether you know it or not, you are a mess. And the world looks at you as a mess and it tells you that you are perfect. It tells you all the things that you want to hear. It tells you the things that you love to hear. And because of that, you are okay with letting the world to mold you. And this is your life. Being mauled by the world. It is not the way that it was designed to be. It is not the way that it was intended to be. But because it's what you like to hear, because it's what seems good to you, you allow it to mold you. And what Paul is telling them here is to not let the world, the world to mold you, but to allow the word of God to renew your mind, to transform your mind, to be the word of God, the Bible, what we have that we can go and read, to be the very source of influence in our life that will make us to be more like Christ. And what he's saying is this, is that when you allow the word of God to mold you, you'll see that even though you're a mess, the word of God will come around and it's going to take the stuff from you that you don't need. The things that you want, that you think that you want, you don't really need that. Your desires that are evil, that are leading you on a, pray, on, a, on, a, on a journey that is against the word of God, is going to bring it to your attention. It's going to remove it. Those temptations that you are struggling with, those thoughts, those lies that you're wrestling with, it will bring them to light and remind you that they're not, they don't need to be part of you. And slowly and slowly the word of God is going to transform you where you're going to look like a little bear. Bear. There you go. A little bear. But you guys get the picture, right? Yeah, it's a little bit. It's supposed to be a bear. Look at it. Yeah, anyways. The idea is true, though. The word of God is what should mold us. And the reality is that we need to have that moment in our life where we check ourselves and we see what is the force of influence in our life. What is influencing us? Because if, the, if it's the world that is influenced, then you'll see that we're going to be carrying more gar- garbage than we should be carrying. We're going to be living a life in a way that it's not supposed to be. But when we allow the word of God, when we seek the word of God to transform us, you'll see that he will, the word of God will bring out the things that you and I desperately need. It will bring out to, to light the things that we desperately need to do and hear. And for that reason, you see what he does here, what he says at the very end of of verse 2. He says, uh, testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. When you are, when you allow the word of God to renew your mind, you'll be able to tell that what God has set before you, that the plans that God has before you, that the opportunities that God has placed before you, they are good for you and they are acceptable, they are pleasing to him. And so because the renewal of your mind, you're doing that, because the word of God is renewing your mind, you'll be able to see that the things that God God has placed before you is what you desperately need in your life. 
And so he does this. He shares this stuff with the, with the uh, Romans, with the believers in Rome, because he's going to get here in the next few verses in this concept of giftedness. The reason why he does that is kind of like my mom, you know, she slapped me in the face. It's because they need to recognize it their own. They need to recognize two things. They need to recognize whether they are committed in their relationship with God or whether they are allowing the word of God to renew their mind. Because if they're not living, as a, if they're not living a life as if they were a living sacrifice, they're not going to be using their giftedness. If they were not allowing the word of God to renew their mind, they're not going to be using their giftedness. And you will see that many of us that are here or that are in the church, the reason why they're not using their giftedness is because they're not living as a living sacrifice or because they're not allowing the word of God to renew their mind. And so Paul is doing this here. He's slapping them in the face and then he's going to go on and talk to them about their spiritual giftedness. Verse 3. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't think of yourself to be better, whether because you have the best giftedness, you know, unquote, or because you have the least giftedness, unquote. He said, don't think of yourself to be higher. Then he says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. He says then in verse 5, so... We, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Then he says, having gift that differs according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity and the one who leads with zeal. The one who does act of mercy with cheerfulness. So he goes on a list of, of, of some example of giftedness. And he's saying to them, he said, you need to recognize something that you need to have a reality check on how you are serving God. You need to see if you are serving God. Because the reality is if, that if you are serving God, not, you don't do it because you think that you're better than others. You do it because you understand that as a believer in Christ, we are, we are part of a body. And the design of God for the body is for each other to bless one another. That the design of God for the church is for you and me, if you're a Christian, if you have believed in the gospel, the design of God is so that you will use your giftedness to bless those around you. Not for you to keep, not for you to consume, not for you to ignore, but to bless one another. And if you are living sacrifice, if you are allowing the word of God to renew your mind, then you're going to see how you will, you will see the necessity and the importance of using your giftedness for the glory of God. And so here are three things I want you guys to, to consider when it comes to giftedness. The very first thing is, is that every single one, if you're a believer, every single believer has at least one giftedness. We saw a list here of, we, we just went through a list. We just read it quickly. But if you are a believer, you at least have one of those giftedness. Whether you know your giftedness or not, you have one. Every single believer has a giftedness. The second thing is that believers have been called to use their gift to the benefit of the body of Christ. The reason why God gave you a gift is for you to not keep it. It's for you to use it to bless others, to bless the body. The reality is, though, is that we become so complacent that whether we know our giftedness or not, 
we do not use it. We become consumers. And we come to church because they have a product that they sell that we like, and we want to keep coming to it as because it refills you and it, it, we enjoy it. And then we realize later that the giftedness that God gave us is not something that we've been using. And the third thing we see here about giftedness is that there will never be, there will never be an, a justifiable excuse as to why a person is not using their giftedness. And I think of the three one, that's the one that hurts the most. Because the reality is that most of us are good at coming up with excuses as to why we're not using our giftedness. We look at our time and we will say, well, I'm doing full-time school, I'm working, and I just pick up this extra sheaf of babysitting or doing this whatever, right? I have no time to serve in the church. Some of us will look at the use the excuse, well, yeah, Eric, I get it. God gave me a gift, but I don't know what it is, so why should I use it? Or what, how can I use it if I don't know it? Or we will use the excuse that, well, I have a gift in this, and I don't like it. I don't like that gift in this. I mean, I'm guilty of that. I, Mike will, will agree to this. He called me out. He said that one of my gift in this is hospitality. And I remember thinking that hospitality meant that I, I needed to open my home to people. And I don't like that. I don't like having people over. And I remember getting mad. I'm like, Mike, that's not my gift in this. But it is. And so we look for excuses. The reality is that there is no excuse as to why you're not using the giftedness that God has given you. If you find yourself today, and if I was to ask you the question, if I was to go around each one of you and I say, hey, how are you using the giftedness of God? How are you using the, way, the gift that God has given you? How are you using it? If you don't have an answer to me where you can say, Eric, I'm using it in this way or this particular way, guess what? You do not have an excuse. The way that God designed giftedness, the way that God designed the church is so that you and I as believers will be a blessing to one another. And you will see, like we already talked, that the very reason why you are not so passionate about your, or about serving God or you are so passionate or you are so committed to, to, to using your giftedness because you're not living alive as a living sacrifice or because you're not allowing the word of God to transform your life. There is no justification for why you're not using your giftedness. No transition, no time management, no inability or not knowing. There is no excuse as to why you're not using your giftedness. So then what? I want you guys, as I wrap up, to have a time right now, to have a time where you're, I don't know how to word it, where you have a reality check right now. Or have a time, or how will you phrase that? Yeah, you get it. Where you have a time now to look at yourself, examine yourself, and ask, the same, ask yourself the question, in what area of the ones that we have talked tonight do you really need to look into and examine yourself? Is the area that you're struggling, are you someone that you're leaving alive as a living sacrifice? Are you doing that? Are you someone that just like Jesus was willing to commit himself towards the cross because he understood that the will of God was good and acceptable? Are you someone that you're allowing yourself to submit to the will of God and allowing God to be the one that directs your step? Are you doing that? If not, you need a reality check. 
Are you someone that have been allowing this world, this culture to mold you, to detect to you what is true and what is, and what is a lie, to tell you what is good and what is bad? Are you allowing this culture or you are seeking the word of God for it to mold you and to renew your mind? Are you doing that? If not, you need a reality check. And the last thing, how are you serving God? God gave you a gift, whether it was one, whether it was ten, whether it was how many. Are you using them? If you're here today and, you, and your answer to that question is not, you, have a re, you need a reality check. And just a side note, a side note you guys are blessed to, be <clears throat> blessed to be in a church that has so many opportunities where you can use your giftedness. You're blessed to be in a ministry, to, be, to come to a church where you can come and, you, and be used by God. That you can come and do what God has designed you to do, which is to use your giftedness to bless others. And like we said, you have no excuse as to why you're not using it. So if you're not using your giftedness, you need a reality check. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. And Father, I pray that as we are looking at our, as we're considering ourselves, Lord, that we will really think through our decisions, that we will really think about our life, Lord. Are we someone that are submitting to you, Lord? Are we living a life as if we were a living sacrifice? And Father, if we're not, I pray that you will bring that to our attention, that you will give us the strength, Lord, to be able to walk to the altar and submit ourselves to you, Lord. That we would allow you, God, to direct our step. And Father, I pray too that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, they cannot do that. They can't. They need you, Lord, first. They need to understand the kind of sacrifice that they, you did for them, Lord. And I pray that they will know tonight whether they can be in a relationship with you or not, Lord. That they can see how you send your son as a living sacrifice, Lord. As an example to us of how we should live our life. Father, I pray that we will seek your word to mold us. That we will not allow this culture, that we will not allow the people around us to influence us and to shape us into what we're not supposed to be, Lord. But that we will seek after you and we will seek after your word and allow it to be the transforming force in our life. And Father, I pray that if we're not serving, if we're Christians and we're not using our giftedness, I pray, Father, that you will put a very heavy conviction in our heart. That we will recognize that we're not doing what you have designed us to do. That there's no excuse, that there's no reason as to why we're not serving you. And out of gratitude for what you did for us on the cross, the very least that we can do, Lord, is to serve you. And I pray that you will challenge us into doing that. Father, I pray that you speak to us this week and that you will help us and that you will do, have, have us do a time, Lord, where we can check ourselves and see in what areas we need to work. We pray this in your name. Amen.